God, we pray now, Father, for your word, and we ask, God, that you would just open our ears and open our minds and our hearts to the things that you want to speak, Lord. God, we ask, Father, that you would get me out of the way. Father, get our own little minds out of the way, Father, that want to justify and want to um, spend time, you know, arguing with you about the fact that what your word says is not what we want to hear. God, we ask, Lord, for hearts and minds and ears, Lord, that are ready to receive. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you guys, today, we're going to finish up something that we've been in for four straight weeks, this whole passage through the book of Matthew. We've been going through the book of Matthew, but specifically this passage where we're watching Jesus speak to the 12 disciples that he's sending out to the Jews only at this point, right? And so here we are, we've been looking through this the last four weeks, and to say that it's been bright and cheery would not be true for anybody that's been here. You guys, has anyone been here the last four weeks? So would you agree that it has not been bright and cheery? It's been a little, it's been a little rough, but it's been good. And as we're looking today, we're finishing it up, but can I tell you, it's gonna be still a little bit of a downer. And I, I want to say that because of this. You guys know a couple things. Do you know that Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven mm-hmm. in his ministry? Yeah. Do you know that Jesus, what he said, wasn't easy to hear even for them back then. It isn't easy for here, to hear for us either. Right. And yet, it's no less powerful or impactful. And it's also no less important to us to hear. Right. And so as we go through this gospel, I promise you, you know, I've talked to other pastors and they're like, man... The Gospels are hard, but but the Gospel of Matthew specifically is kind of one of the harder ones to teach through because, man, Jesus punches people in the face verbally a lot, you know? And I kind of like that. I don't know. I'm weird. Maybe I'm like, tell me how bad I am, Lord. I need to hear it, (laughs) right? But But it's hard to hear. But the reality of it is, is that if we really let it sink deep and sink in, it's important for us to understand that like, yes, he's saying hard things. Yes, we're gonna have more hard things to hear, but if we open up our ears and we let God actually say, man, what you're saying is what I need to hear and what you're saying is the truth now as much as it was then, I can promise you guys this, you will not be the same person that you were before. You can't be. So let's dig in. Verse 34 in chapter 10 is where we're at. Verse 34 says this, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That happens all the time. That's, (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Verse 36, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That, there's meat there. There's a ton of meat there, isn't there? And when we look at this, it's not an easy thing to hear. So he continues to explain, man, This is what a walk with him. This is what being a disciple looks like. And we've read all throughout this passage of just, you know, times where he's like, dude, people are going to want to kill you. 
you're going to be brought before leaders and you're going to be beaten or possibly killed. Like, you know, if I were a disciple right then and there, I'd be like, um, I don't know about this, right? I don't know if I signed up for this. But remember, even in this passage is when he says, hey, count the cost. Know what you signed up for. So Christian, today, I want to say to you again, the same thing I've been saying for the past three weeks. You're a disciple if you're a Christian, which means that these words apply to you. So there's no judgment from this pulpit, I promise you guys. If there's any judgment, it's coming back on me too because I've got to ask myself the same exact questions. And that is this. Jesus, what you say, is it truth to me? And is it real? Are you my Lord? Or is it just nonsense that I don't really need to follow? Because I promise you this. Jesus didn't come to bring a new religion, right? Religion is dead, guys, in case you didn't know. Religion is dead. It died with the Jews, Seriously, what does religion get us? Nothing. Relationship is everything. It's about a relationship with Jesus. But that relationship, guys, as equal as it is because Jesus made it equal with us, it still isn't equal because guess what? He's creator God and we're not. And we need to not forget that part. If we say, man, Jesus, you're Lord. We've talked about this. Lord means master. Jesus, you're master. I do whatever I want though. That doesn't, that's an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. So here we see, and we look at what we've already learned, right? We know throughout the book of Matthew and throughout scripture that his message is peace and love. And yet what we read here is, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not. So what is that? How does that work out? Well, let's Look at it, right? We got to take the entirety of scripture. We can't take one verse and be like, look, Jesus is against everyone I disagree with and therefore I have every right to hammer them with my words and hammer them with my actions. That's not what Jesus is about. I promise that. Jesus is about peace and love. Jesus is about bringing a, a point to the earth where they see that, man, you need more than just yourself. You're not getting to heaven on your own. Jesus, that's what he's about. And so when we look at this and when we read these statements, we need to understand them in the context that he's giving them in. He's saying, listen, if you're following after me, and what we read earlier in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount was what? Like, blessed are the meek. What's a meek person? A horse is meek. A horse will say, like, sure, you can guide me with your bit in your mouth, but I could stomp you into a tiny little puddle if I chose to. That's what meekness means. Power under control. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, right, are all these things that we read in the Beatitudes. That doesn't just go away when we read this here. But what he's trying to get at is this, keeping the context of this entire conversation. There are people that don't want peace on this earth. Do you know why? Because Satan doesn't want peace on this earth. He wants chaos. He wants anarchy. He wants absolutely to bring humanity to its lowest of lows. That's what he wants. And there is a real place called hell. And there is really a person named Satan, an angel, fallen, with real fallen angels that follow after him. That's real, guys. I, I need to make that clear because, you know, I went through a lot of college courses that taught that it's like, well, this is a, you know, a good story and sad. Christian college, by the way. It's not a story. It's the reality. It's the truth. So that's, that's where I'm coming from. So I believe there really is a Satan that really is against us. That being said, there are many in the world that have bought into all these like, quote unquote, peaceful things. Like if you notice, so many people on Facebook are like, I just want to see world peace happen. 
I want everything to be okay. But man, God help you if you come against their philosophy. <laughs> it ain't very peaceful, <laughs> is it? So do they really want world peace? I think not, right? They don't want the things that they say they want because they don't even understand what that looks like. Guys, none of us understand peace. Jesus is peace. None of us. None of us understand happiness. That's why we go fighting and to find it in drugs and in drinking and in all the stupid stuff that we do before we come to Christ. And sometimes, guys, even after, right? The good part is after is that we're like, this stinks. What the heck am I doing? Because, man, when you found Christ, you found joy. You found love. You found the things that we all are searching for. I don't blame anybody on Facebook that says they want world peace. So do I. I just think that we're not going to get there on our own. I think we've proven that through World War I and World War II and Vietnam and every other war. Right? Like, we've proven that we're not good at world peace. We can't get there on our own. It's not going to happen in humanity, I promise. So, looking at all that, when Jesus here says, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth, can I say this? He's dividing because there is this thing, real peace that comes through him and there's everything else. And that will divide. That will divide. It does divide. It doesn't take much looking around on Facebook or any other social media platform to see the division. How quickly a believer is like, man, let's not hammer this guy. Like, let's love on them. And they're like, what? They don't line up with this. They're racist. They're this. They're that. Let's have peace. (laughs) Like, dude, you're not even at peace with yourself. Calm Calm yourself down, right? Like, there's this thing that they don't want to deal with God. And that's the truth. And that's where the division comes. Because what, where does our peace come from through Jesus? It's through actually saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. You are my Lord, Master, and Savior. You're the one that saves me. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps. I can't get to heaven on my own. I need you. But that means something. That means that you're over me. And so when your word tells me something, I listen to it. And I do my best. I say, Lord, I submit to this. I want this to be true in my life. Help me. The world doesn't want that. Did you want that before you came to know Jesus, before the Holy Spirit wooed you, honestly? Because the other thing I think Christians do far too often, if we've been walking with the Lord any amount of time, is that we look at the world and we're like, what a bunch of scummy people. Guess what? You are too. You're just saved. You just know Jesus. That's the only difference, right? God is good. We are not. So we see Jesus bringing division. And we see where he brings it. There's going to be those people in your life, if you're following after Christ, in your family, your friends, your coworkers, that are not going to be happy with you walking with the Lord. And can I say something? And this might sound a little harsh and, you know, forgive me if I'm out of line here, but can I say something? If you are perfectly content in every relationship that you have and you still call yourself a Christian, I would pray long and hard and say, man, Lord, what's going on in my own life that that's not showing out? Seriously, because when I got serious about the Lord, which wasn't right when I got saved, but when I got serious about the Lord, I lost friends. And I'm not, I hope that's not true for you guys, but it happened to me. And I have people in my life that are like not happy about the fact, like, man, they're like, they come to me and they tell me everything. And I'm like, you know the answer I'm going to give. And they're like, yes, and I don't want to hear about Jesus. Just shut up. I don't want to hear that. That's what they'll say to me. And I'll be like, that's all I got. 
All I've got is Jesus because I would be, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could be in the exact same place you are, right? It's Jesus that changes things. It's not me. That's all I've got. And so, in spite of the fact that the world will say, we want world peace, we want an end to violence, that we want to promote unity, tolerance, in spite of the fact that they say all these things, and I want to say something and bring a caveat here. I think that people genuinely do want that. It's not to say that they don't. I just think they're aiming in the wrong direction, right? It's like saying you want to change a tire with a fork. You can genuinely want to change the tire with the fork. Are you ever going to get it done? No. That's, it's stupid, but it's the truth, right? I think that's what's happening. They want to change the tire, but they're like, I've got a fork and I'm going to do it with this fork and it's going to happen. And you're like, dude, you can think and want all you want, but you're never going to change the tire. You need the right tool, and the tool is Jesus. So my encouragement for us is this. Turn over to 1 John. 1 John, chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Remember I said 1 John, not the gospel. 1 John, chapter 3, starting in verse 16, says this. This is an encouragement for me and for all, of, all the believers here. It says this, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's good and sees his brother is in need and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What makes the difference, guys? Living out love. Is that going to bring unity? No. I mean, are you going to personally bring about world peace because you're a Christian and you're walking with the Lord? Probably not, right? But can I say something? We can still love well. That's what we're called to do. Love well. Love those around us, even the ones that we look at and we're like, dude, you are a wreck. Love them well. Love that woman, love that man that you're like, man, you drive me crazy, you drive me bonkers. That family member, we all have got them, right? That we're like, hi, yi, yi. You know, they walk in and you're like a train wreck that's just like, you know, as soon as they walk in the door, you're like, oh, what is happening, right? That guy, that person, that lady, right? Those people, we speak truth, guys, in love to them. Speaking truth in love. Where is truth found? Right here. Listen. I have cousins that are far from the Lord. And you know what I love? Is that by loving them well and by looking at their hearts and saying like, man, I see the areas you need Jesus. We all need Jesus. And they come to me and they don't want to hear about Jesus, but they do allow me to speak just a little bit of truth into their life. Right? And we all know those lines. And I think the Holy Spirit helps us to be like, pull the, pull the reins. You're going to go too far this time. Just leave it be. Right? But that happens and has happened in my life through time of loving them well, of letting them see that like, I'm not just a guy that's going to beat you over the head until you have Holy Bible tattooed on your forehead. It's something that happens over time and we get to pray for them. The most important thing we could ever do is pray. I love when people say like, man, I've done everything and now all I've got left is prayer. Man, you had prayer from the very beginning. You should have been doing it. right? Like, man, prayer is the most important thing you should be doing from the very beginning. I would say before you even start talking to somebody, you should be praying for them. We all need prayer. 
So can I tell you this? If we love well, if we speak truth in love, and we walk in grace and mercy towards those around us, what do you think should be the case? You would think that then everybody would love us, that we would be the most loved people on the whole earth, that everything would be great. But what happens? You're going to f- come up against resistance. You're going to have people that aren't happy with you. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. There's going to be division. But choose you this day who you're going to serve. And as for me and my house, I'm serving the Lord. I don't care if people get mad at me about it. Again, do I get mad back? No, I don't have the right. Jesus didn't give me the right. (laughs) I still love. I still speak truth. I still do my best to love them well, as best as I can. Do I make a lot of mistakes? Sure, we all do. But the fact is, is if our aim of our heart is to love, at, love people, I promise you guys, God is so much bigger than the enemy and so much bigger than the chaos that he's sowing all across this earth every day. I promise you that. And so we can trust him. Even in the midst of people that we're like, oh my gosh, what is happening? What are you doing? Why do you not like me so much when all I'm doing is loving you enough to tell you the truth? Which, by the way, you asked for. Verse 37. Back in Matthew chapter 10. It says, he who loves her father, his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. You guys, we talked about this. He's Lord. He's number one over your family, and over your friends, over enjoying everyone and everything around you. I'm going to say that one more time because Christians, we need to hear this. He is Lord and Savior. He is Lord over your family, over your kids, over your friends. That might be hard to hear, and people might not like me for saying it, but it's the truth. He really is over all those things. What does that look like? I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like you being at every church service and, you know, not letting your kids and playing in any sports or doing any of those things because, you know, kids, you're second, (laughs) deal with it. That's not what that looks like. So I'm not saying that. But I do want to say this. There are families, and I've witnessed this throughout my life, where, man, the kids you can see are literally on the pedestal. They're on the throne, period. That's not right. There are people that their families, their parents, their whoever are on the throne. God might be saying, I want you to move here and plant a church, or I want you to go do this. And people are like, yeah, but my parents, what about your parents? Are you going to listen to God? Or are you going to listen to your parents? Listen, every kid in here, every teenager is like, yes, <laughs> preach, right? <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> God is over everything and everyone in your life. That's the way it should be. And I promise you guys, if you live that way, listen, when my wife and I left Idaho, my in-laws were not happy. They were not happy. And my awesome, amazing wife, who I was like, I will take the front on this, but I really wanted her to because it's her parents said, yeah, well, that's too bad. You can take it up with God. And we left. My parents, the same thing. They weren't super stoked about the fact that we were moving far away from them and suck it up, buttercup. We're following God. I mean that. And I feel like that's, that's the proper response. Now, I wasn't that mean. I didn't say it that mean. But I want to say something, guys. I want to, there's a quote from David Guzik about this section of scripture, and it says this. 
The greatest danger of idolatry comes not from what is bad, but from what is good, like love and family relationships. The greatest danger to the best comes from the second best. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Is that easy? Nope, not at all. (laughs) It's not easy. You know, I love my family. I love my kids. I love everyone so much. And yet you look around and you're like, man, if this is true and God's word is true, then God, you're above that. And so Lord, if that means that my kids have to live all over America, which is where they're at right now, then that's okay with me. I'm not going to hold them back because I'm trying to be all selfish about it. Parents, do we do that sometimes? Yeah. Older parents, your parents, right? They might be like, well, you know, I want to see the grandkids and I want to this and I want to that. Well, that, that's great. Come on up. There's this thing called an airplane. You can get on it, right? Like it's, it's not rocket science, guys. We don't live in the olden days where you're like, I'm going to have to take a seven-day trip and get the provisions <laughs> together on the, on the uh, covered wagon because we've got to head out. That's not where we are today. We can be anywhere in the world in pretty much 24 hours. Guys, It's a struggle for us to follow this out and to live this out. But can I tell you, a life that is sold out to Jesus is always the best. It's always the best. I promise. And guys, the reality is, as Christians, I I I want to say something. The world today looks at us a lot. And when they see that many Christians that are like, well, Jesus really isn't the best. It's my kids. Or Jesus really isn't the best because I'm doing whatever I really want to do. Because Jesus is just, you know, my get out of hell free card. That doesn't resonate with people, I promise. It makes you look like a hypocrite, which we all are. But the reality is, guys, a life sold out to Jesus has impact. A life sold out to Jesus is different. It is different. And people around you will be like, you're crazy. And you're like, nope, (laughs) just a Jesus freak. I'm just following after Jesus. You will look different. Things will be different. People around you will not like it, I promise. That's what Jesus is saying, and I believe his word. And I've seen it true in my own life. It's a reality. He says here that if you want to follow after him, you need to take up your cross. And I want to talk about the profundity of what Jesus just said there, because Taking up your cross in those days, and now think about this. It's not like he was already talking about the fact that he's like telling the disciples, hey, I'm going to go die on the cross and rise again on three days. Like none of that information was disseminated at this point in in the story, right? So what did they know about the cross? Well, it would be like Jesus saying to us today, take up your lethal injection. Go sit in the electric chair. Go put the noose around your neck and, and stand up on the gallows. That's what he was saying. Let that sink in. Guys, I would encourage you to examine your life, for us all to examine our lives as Christians against this statement. Because take up your cross sounds so nice and pretty nowadays, doesn't it? It does to me. If you go and you look at pictures of Jerusalem specifically, there's a lot of Christians that'll take up a literal cross, but guess what? It has two little wheels on the back and it's a lot tinier than the real cross, the patibulum and all the stuff that was actually in the real cross. And it's a tiny little cross and they'll take it and they'll drag it all the way to Golgotha. And yes, the symbolism is beautiful. And I get it, right? I'm not going to do it because it costs a lot of money. <laughs> they make making money over there, right? But the point is, guys, is that is not taking up the cross. What does it mean to take up your cross? It means to die to yourself. 
It means that you don't get to choose the way you go now. You're a dead man. You're a dead woman. Guys, this is hard stuff. And I hope that it's sinking in because, guys, if we get a hold of this, I promise you, God is going to explode in this community. God is going to move in such mighty ways. Why? Because we as servants are saying, I'm ready to serve. God, I am dead to myself. Lord, whenever that person makes me mad in traffic, I am not going to give them the finger. And don't act like none of y'all don't. God, if, if this person at work speaks bad behind my back, man, I'm going to make sure that they are paid for that. Right? That's not the right way. God's saying, die to yourself. Don't give the bird. When someone talks bad about you, pray for them because they obviously need it if they feel the need to talk bad about you behind your back. Right? It's a change in attitude. It's an entire change in the way we think. That's what Jesus was coming with. And I promise you guys, if you do that, there's going to be resistance. There will be resistance. So, how are you doing at taking up your cross? Let's look at what taking up the cross means for Jesus. For Jesus, the cross meant sacrifice. Right? It meant total sacrifice. And remember, Jesus actually prayed for another way. We're going to read about that in the future. Jesus said, like, man, if there is any other way, Father, would you please take this cup from me? He didn't want to willingly be like, I'm going to go die. Right? But here's the thing. What was the end of that statement? Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Guys, taking up our cross requires sacrifice on our part. And is it going to be easy? Heck no. And if we have Jesus as an example, sitting there praying to his father and saying, I don't want to do this. Do you think it's going to be any easier for us? And also, do you think that we can't come to God with any less of a prayer and saying, God, that guy keeps talking about me. Oh, I don't want to be nice. I don't want to pray for that person, but I want your will to be done, not mine. Change my heart, God. Change my attitude. Change me. There's a struggle. Guys, are we willing to sacrifice our time, our energy, and our finances in order to love those around us that need our time, our energy, and our finances? And those are the three that I just popped off the top of my head. What other ways does God need you to, to minister? What other ways does God want you to sacrifice? Use your two ears and not your mouth? Take a half an hour and go get some coffee with somebody? Spend a little time hearing about what's going on in their life? Even though, to be honest, you might be like, dude, you keep talking about me. You keep doing these things to me. I really don't like you, but you know what? Let's go get some coffee. That is oxymoronic to the world. Do you understand? I keep using that word today. It's a complete polar opposite of what they expect. And that's exactly what Jesus is bringing. For Jesus, the cross meant love. It meant love. More love, guys, than any of us will ever understand. 
He went and died, even though he didn't really want to in the flesh. He said, man, God, your will be done, not mine. So he went up on the cross and he died for us. And he did it because he loved us so much that he said, man, I get it. There is not another way. Listen, we can slaughter all the sheep we want, which is the Jewish way, right, that they set up. Why? Because God was trying to show the Jewish people and then through the Jewish people, the whole world, that you're never going to get to me. You're never going to get to heaven. You're never going to be in right relationship with me in any other way than through a perfect life. And so you bring all these perfect sacrifices, quote unquote, these non-blemished lambs, and you cut their neck. You do these things, but none of that matters because you got to do it again as soon as you sin. Man, I'm serious. I think I would have lived at the temple. I would have been like walking out. Ah, dang it. Got to buy another one. (laughs) Come out like, dude, get out of my way. Ah, crap. Got to buy another one. Right? That would have been me. Man, Jesus made a way for us. He died for us. He loved us. He loved us so much. He loved the whole world so much that he went to the cross. And so do we love this world, our neighbors, our coworkers, our schoolmates, enough to share the best news ever, which is Jesus died and rose again for your sins. Do we love people that much? Because we should. We should. And will that cause division? Yes, because people are like, I don't want a God over me. I want to be my own God. And I ask people all the time, how's that working out for you? Because it didn't work out very well for me. It drove me to the point that I was trying to commit suicide as a teenager. That's where it put me. Because guess what? My way sucks. Jesus' way is so much better. Man, that is good news. And it's not, it's not out of line. It's not unloving. It's not bigoted. It's not any of the things that the world puts on it. I just want to tell you guys that. It is not any of those things. It is absolute true love to tell another person, Jesus loves you. And you are as screwed up as I am. And once you start seeing that, I have the bread. I'm a beggar. I'm telling you, here's the bread. Eat it because you're going to love it. And it's going to change your life. That's what it's all about. For Jesus, the cross meant death. Literally death. Right? I mean, did Jesus know he's going to rise again? That's a huge theological question. I believe he did. Did it make the death any less painful? Did it make it any less scary? Did it make it any less of anything that we all look at death and think, whoa, that's, that's, a, big, that's a big word. Right? It didn't make any of it any less for him. And yet he did it. Guys, do we die to our own way? Do we die to our parents and our in-laws' way? All the in-laws in here right now are like, I can't believe you just said that. My way is the way. You guys, do we die to anything or anyone that sits on the throne spot that belongs to God and God alone? And I want to say something. When we have God on our throne spot, in our heart, I promise you guys, you're going to be put in uncomfortable situations. You're going to be asked to step way out of your comfort zone. You might even feel like you're stepping out into thin air. So then the question becomes, man, do you trust God? Because I promise you, the second that people are brave enough to say, yes, God, I trust you, God's going to put earth beneath you. You're going to be okay. It might not look like you think it's going to look, but I promise you, you'll be okay. God has you. I really believe that. I believe that with all my heart. 
And I want to see other believers come along and be like, yes, I believe it too. Because again, I believe God moves in people that are willing to say, God, I will walk into thin air for you. I will do whatever you want me to do. Just tell me, guide me, lead me. I believe God moves through people like that. I believe the American church is so anemic because we don't have many people that do those things. I believe that China and Iran are the leading countries because there are people that do those things. People that are like, yeah, this might mean my death, but I want to tell you about this guy named Jesus. This might mean that I don't ever get to talk to my family ever again for the rest of my life, but I want to tell them about Jesus. It is that important. You guys, we live in Christ. That's what it says in verse 39. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Our old nature is dead. Right? Jesus kind of brought about the first zombie apocalypse because the truth is, is now, as believers, we've got a bunch of old men that are walking around and old ladies that are like, and they just want to gnaw on your brain. They want to like, you guys get the analogy? Do you understand? Right? They're all chasing us around. They're not, they are dead. They're the walking dead. They keep walking after us. They want nothing but for us to just follow along with what they believe because the old you still thinks that it's God. And God's like, dude, reckon yourself dead. You're dead. You're alive in Christ. And so he's saying we can find our life. Why or how? By losing our old life. We can live in Christ as we die to our old self. That's, that's it. Verse 40. He who received you, he who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So keeping the context of the conversation, guys, this is the positive turn. You ready? Jesus obviously knew proper lines of communication, modern communication, right? You sandwich it. You say something good. You hammer him in the middle. Say something nice at the end, right? <laughs> so keeping the context of the conversation that we've been reading over the past four weeks, let's look here. This is a conclusion of the talk, this last section of the chapter. It says this, if anyone receives you, they receive me. They receive Jesus. Why? Well, he's the one that sent them. And if they receive Jesus, they've also received God the Father. Why? Because he's part of the triune God. He is God in flesh. So it doesn't, it's not hard to follow, right? That yeah, he's receiving God if they've received Jesus and they've received you because Jesus sent you. So it's an important thing to remember that you're sharing the gospel is something that God commands for us to do, but the reception or rejection from others in your serving the Lord has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It's not even about you. Why? Well, because you are not there by yourself saying like, hey, come to me, I'll save you. You're saying, I know this guy named Jesus who sent me out as a disciple, go out into all the world, and preach the gospel. Go out into all the world and tell people about all that Jesus has done. You're being sent by Jesus. So if they reject it, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And let him deal with that. Yeah. It's not even about you. It's about the one who sent you. And that should set your heart at ease in sharing Jesus. It really should. 
Because the fact is, guys, I'm telling you, we have gotten into this place where everyone is so afraid of what people are going to say if you say the name Jesus. Why? Because people are not happy with it when you do that. You can talk about God. You can talk about Harry Krishna. You can talk about Muhammad. You can talk about anybody else you want. Hindu. You can talk about any type of religion, any person. Buddha. You can do all these things. People put all these little quippy statements on Facebook all the time that make zero sense if you actually look at them. You're like, what does that even mean? Go, go find your best self. Dude, my best self is horrible. I don't want to find my best self. I want to find Jesus. Amen. Right? There's all these weird statements that people make, but the second you bring up Jesus, they get mad. Guys, be okay with that. Be okay with that. It's not our job to make everyone happy. It's not our job to bring everyone to Christ either. I want to say that again. It's our job to scatter seed. We let Jesus figure out when they're going to come to him. We let God deal with that stuff. It should never stop us from speaking to others about Jesus. Really. And so the truth is, is that if they're mad, they're not mad at you. They're mad at Jesus. Guys, listen, you're offering eternal life. You're saying, listen, you're an eternal being, each and every one of you. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, can I tell you something? You are eternal. And if you don't know the Lord, you're eternally going to live in hell. That is a scary place. And all it takes is a belief that Jesus died and rose again to bring you into right relationship and your eternal destination changes to heaven. It's really that simple. There's not a lot to it. And can I tell you something? I don't understand how people get angry about that. That's good news. It's good news. Also, guys, if they receive the good news and you have the wonderful, amazing opportunity to pray with them to receive Christ, guess what else we don't get to do? We don't get to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I think I'm a straight-up evangelist. I'm bringing people to Jesus. No, guess who did it? The Holy Spirit. You didn't have anything to do with it. You were just a mouthpiece. So don't get up on your high horse. Don't think it's special. Verse 41, finishing up. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Jesus here is sharing the positive side of serving him. If you receive a person serving the Lord, guys, there is a heavenly reward. As a Christian, as a fellow believer, listen, we have people that pass through sometimes that are serving the Lord in different capacities, missionaries, or sometimes we'll bring in a band and they're just like a missionary band. You know, they go around and they take offerings from the church and then they keep moving on and they go to the next gig, right? Sometimes we get to put those guys up. Well, that, there's a reward there, right? And so if y'all got some extra rooms, listen. If we got people coming around, you might get a call. It's your choice. You don't have to. You know, you could stay comfortable because it's not comfortable having an extra person in your house, is it? But you have an opportunity. And that's what he's saying here. Listen, if you, if you receive a person that's serving me, there's a reward. Can I say it on the flip side? If you're a person serving faithfully in your workplace and in other places and people receive you, there is a blessing in that, isn't there? There's a blessing in that. 
If you're walking with the Lord and you are coming up against it from all these different people, I promise you, if there's one person in your workplace, it's like, man, I really want to hear more about that. Listen, I've said this before. There was a lady at one of the jobs that I had when I first moved here. And the very first thing, when I said I was a believer, she said, she's like, I don't want to hear nothing about that Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing about it. And she was like this fiery New York lady, right? Latino lady. Oh, she was very fiery. And so it went like a month where I was just praying for her. And I was like, you know, Lord, give me an inroad. Give me a way in to speak to her about this. And I didn't stop talking about Jesus. She would just get up and walk out. But about a month into me working there, she called me down in my office and she's like, will you come upstairs? And I'm like, oh man, I probably screwed something up. So I went upstairs and she's like, will you pray with me? My mom's in the hospital. You guys, we don't get the permission to not share regardless of what they say. And, and the other reality is, is that that, t- that taught me a ton. It taught me that, listen, we also don't get to choose that they're going to always be an angry person and not like you. Because something may come up that God uses to be the very catalyst that if you would not have started from the very beginning, would never have been available to you. Mm-hmm. And so, Jesus here is breaking a ton of traditions. I want to point this out because he says here in verse 42, whoever gives one of these little ones, these kids specifically, a cold cup of water in my name or in the name of a disciple, I say to you, shall by no means lose his reward. You guys understand that in those days, children were like less than. So women were below, right? Patriarchal. Men, er, women, kids. I'm not justifying it or saying it's right. I'm just saying it's the way it was. In the Mideast, guys, it's still that way. It's still that way. Having been deployed all over the sandbox, which is basically the entire Mideast, can I tell you, children are considered nothing. If, you, if they annoy you, you beat them. If they're Kurdish children, you just beat them. That's everywhere I've ever been. Kurds have no home. So if there's a Kurdish child, they will just get beat right in front of you, and it's horrible to watch because you're not allowed to say anything. You're not allowed to interfere, and there have been times whenever I have anyway. But that's just the way it goes. Those kids are used to it. They're used to getting beat down. There's no regard for children. And here's Jesus saying instead, hey, listen, you treat them with love and mercy. And when you do, there's a reward for you. And go one step further. There's a sense that in us all serving Jesus, that we're all the little ones because we are his children. We're God's children, right? There's not anything in us that's great. There's not anything in us that God's like, yes. I'm so glad you came to me. I wasn't pointing at you, by the way. You're okay. God is glad you came. You guys, for real though, we're all little ones. We're all little ones. And so yes, there's a blessing in serving in church. There's a blessing, guys, in serving one another faithfully and loving one another well. There's a blessing in doing that out in the world. There's a blessing for us when people just give us a blessing as well. Does that make sense? It goes both ways. So as we conclude this four-week look through him sending out the 12 disciples, we saw a couple things. We saw that we're not to worry. You guys remember that? Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to say. We saw earlier in the, in the book where he said, man, don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat. I'm going to take care of you. We saw that we're not supposed to fear man, right? We're not supposed to fear the created we're supposed to fear the creator. We saw that we're go, to go and proclaim Christ to the nations and we're to walk in the spirit in love and truth. 
and we're to confess Christ before others. We saw all those things. We saw that we're supposed to take up our cross. And we're told all of these encouraging things because we're going to be hated by people. They're not going to like us. We may even have some of the closest people to us be our biggest enemies. Remember? He said, like, dude, you might be, it might be your son or your daughter or your mom or your dad are the ones that are turning you in. And we see that in the Mideast happening a lot. We're told that we may be brought before the authorities, the authorities and have some trouble. And we talked about the fact that here in America, these things aren't necessarily reality at the, reality at the moment, but it, in, no less, in, in no way does it minimize the things that he still told us to do. And the reality is too, guys, is that this country is pretty young in the scheme of countries in this world. And if you ask me, we're not doing the greatest at holding ourselves together. And so we could very well be where this is talking about in a, in a short amount of time. I hope not. I pray not. I vote not. <laughs> right? But it doesn't mean that anything matters. God's got control of all of this. We know that he does. So we should expect all of this. And so, as an encouragement on the way out, I want you guys to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Just as an encouragement and as a way to kind of like sew this entire four weeks up, I think Paul really summarized what we've been talking about these past four weeks in the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, when he said this, "'Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ.'" So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, Come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.